0: Uh, we began the 15th Pedek yesterday with a Mishnah that says that a woman, a wife, is believed to come and say, My husband has died, and then we, she can remarry or do ye boom. However, if there was a, um, a, a time of war and she came back from, uh, from a war zone and she says, My husband died, Then, ironically, we do not believe her. You might think, well, if it's a war zone, it's more likely that she's correct. The problem is that um, in a regular case where she saw my wife, she said, my husband is dead we assume that she actually saw him and however he died from a disease or a wound whatever it is she um she must have actually seen him die in a war zone however it could be that she is simply presuming i saw him in the middle of the war and i saw arrows flying all she uh, arrows flying all over the place so she presumed maybe accurately, accurately, maybe not a high, high probability that he died, but she did not actually see him dead. So it could be that he survived, could be that he got medication and got better. And so therefore we do not rely on her word. Uh, then we saw a few other cases of if there's a, a famine or a plague, although similar to war or not. And so now we're going to ask another variation of that case. If she herself, told us that there was a war zone and we didn't even know that beforehand. And then we're going to get to a case of one witness in general, and on uh, on Amud Bet the issue of identification of lost objects and similar things. So here's our opening question. If a wife comes and says, we were in this country and there's a war there, and we didn't know, we didn't have the news to know that there was a war there, and then she says, and my husband died. On the one hand, we can say a kind of amigo uh, because why would she lie and say that uh, uh, there was a war and my husband is dead? She could have said, if she wanted to be convincing, she could have simply came and said, my husband is dead and we, wouldn't, we would believe her. She didn't have to say that there is a war. So, um, if she wanted to lie, she could have made an easier lie. And therefore, we should believe her. If we already knew there was a war, then we don't believe her. Uh, but now that she is providing that information, which uh, downgrades the her claim, but since she's providing it herself, so we should believe her claim. Or, on the other hand, we can say that since... She maintained, now we have a chazakah, we know that there is a war. She may not be wanting to lie, she might not, not be lying on purpose, but she is making a presumption and so therefore the argument of why would i lie does not come and undermine the presumption that there is a war in other words because she um we, we don't suspect that she's purposely lying this is not like a monetary case where uh, someone is going to try their best to say whatever they can in order to attain money here uh, it's not for her benefit to lie and say, my husband is dead, if she doesn't actually think her husband is dead, because that will lead her to problems later, should the husband ever return. So the problem here is that she's saying innocently, uh, there is a war. And I presumed my husband, she says, my husband's dead, but maybe it was still based on a presumption. And so we need to investigate further. Okay, so that's the two sides of the question. And now we're going to offer a couple of uh, attempts at an answer. They're not going to answer the question, uh, but we'll try. If a woman comes and says, some people came and they filled their house with smoke, or filled our cave with smoke. Uh, house uh, being on uh, smoke, meaning it, set, it was set on fire. Uh, cave, um, this would, was a war tactic. If people are hiding out in a cave, in order to get them out, you smoke them out. Even in modern warfare. Uh, so we were in some place, and the place was full of smoke. Who met? And she says, furthermore, my husband died. I was saved. I was able to get out and she is not believed so here this seems to be a parallel to the question that we have we didn't know about this house on fire or a cave that was uh that was smoked out so she's telling us in the first place that there was such a problem and she is also telling us that he died and yet she is not believed you see in this case she didn't say I actually saw my husband's body and I saw him dead. Uh, She is just assuming that she ran out and her husband didn't. So uh, it's a presumption. So you see, according to this, in our question, when she's the one that, even though she's the one that tells us that there is a war, still we suspect it may be based on a presumption that she says, my husband is dead and she doesn't really know. So this seems to be a good proof for leniency, but then we say, no. Oh, in this case, it's different, because we can tell her, well, just like a miracle happened to you and you were able to escape, maybe a miracle happened to your husband also, and he somehow survived, right? You ran away and you didn't see where he went, but it could be that he actually did survive. And so therefore, therefore, this case is more lenient than the case of when there is war uh, because it is possible to, uh, to escape from such a, a danger of a fire. Okay, so the cases are not equivalent and instead, right, after all, she did in fact escape because they were in the same danger, whereas in the case of war, probably he went to war, he went out to battle and she was not necessarily in the war, so there's less of a reason in the battle case to assume that he escaped so there's more reason to believe her so therefore it's not quite the same okay another bright brings a case where a woman a wife comes and says oh we were traveling and um, a group of goyim came and attacked us or a group of thieves came and attacked us who met vini and my husband died and i was saved in this case she is believed Now, here also, she's the one telling us the circumstances, which are similar to war, right? There was some kind of uh, terrible danger, lethal danger. And uh, since she is the one telling it to us, and she is the one that testifying, my husband is dead, she is believed. So, too, in the case of war, she told us about the war, and she says, my husband is dead. We should believe her. Uh, this is the opposite outcome of the previous one, but we say no. That this one is also different. Hatam Kidrav Idi, Damarav Idi, Isha <laughs> Aleha. Davidi said that a woman is different. The reason that she is believed here is that it is in fact likely that the, the woman uh, was able to escape uh, because uh, a woman is generally not killed by thieves because there's a couple of ways to explain this. Either the fact that she is a woman protects her. Literally, it means her weapons are with her. But what, what, what weapons does a woman have? Maybe the fact that she is a woman. Therefore, she's not the target uh, for the thieves. The thieves are going to kill the man uh, who is either holding the money or is fighting against the thieves. Uh, so the woman, uh, uh, because she's a woman, or maybe it means that the men are likely to rape her. That's all they want from her. They don't want to kill her. And so, therefore, it's um, it's likely that she escaped, and not, and that he did not escape. Unlike the previous case, wherein uh, the man, the man and the wife were in the same type of danger, and if she escaped, then it's equally likely that he escaped. So we don't believe her in this case, since the man is in bigger danger from thieves than the woman is. So the fact that she escaped does not um, detract from the likelihood that, that the husband is in fact dead and so therefore this case there's more reason to believe her uh, uh also how is this different from more it is different from more uh, in a case of uh of thieves there's only a few people around she was she be able to see and assess the situation better and more likely she she actually knows or saw that the husband died in war where there's a fog of war and so much going on uh, it's more likely that she may not have actually seen him die but is only presuming that he went to that battle and never came back He's probably dead. Okay, so those are the uh, two proofs, and one is too lenient, and the other proof is too stringent, and so in the end, we have no uh, direct answer for the case of war. Now, a story. A certain man, he got married, and at the end of the wedding celebration, a fire broke out in, in his bridal chamber. Uh, they would, um, we build a chuppah today, we only use it for an hour, but they would uh, build or have a home that they would live in, the new bride and groom, for seven days and have all their celebrations there. So anyway, um, it, there was a fire in it. Amru lehu debitu, chazu gabrai, chazu gabrai, and his wife was screaming. She was standing in front of the fire in front of the house burning down and says, Look, a man, a man, meaning my husband. Look, my husband, he's inside and he's burning. So people came and they saw that there was a man who was burnt that was there and they also saw a palm of of a hand severed that was also lying there. So a burnt man and a severed palm. So now we have a a mystery situation. We've got to figure this out. So Rabbi Rabbi Chiyah says this seems to be the same as the case above uh, that we quoted here where she is not believed. Um, So too, right? Maybe just like she uh, escaped and she was not burned, so too the husband was burned. And therefore, he was thinking we should not believe her. Rava says, no, these two cases are not similar at all. Number one, in the case above, uh, she was not standing in front of the cave or in front of the house saying, look, my husband is in there, my husband is in there, right? We, we, were, we weren't there at all. we She just came and told us about something that happened. In this case, she's actually standing in front, identifying, saying, my husband is in there. So that gives more likelihood. And second of all, in this case here, there is an actual body, a burnt body and a hand. Right. So someone definitely died. Uh, the, the body is, is burnt beyond identification. So that's why we can't we don't know. But since there is a body there and she is saying that is my husband. So that's very likely that is, this is true. Uh, whereas in the previous case, there is no body. There's some cave somewhere. That, that uh, we don't have access to, so that's much less of a reason to believe her. So therefore, Dava said we should believe her here. Okay. Now, Rav Chiyah bar Avin. Now, this is uh, very convincing. What was what was Rav Chiyah bar Avin thinking when he said we don't believe her? Regarding the dead, burnt body that's there, maybe this was someone else, a fireman, someone who came to try to save him and he went into the fire, and he uh, sadly got burnt. Vachalit Vachateh da and the fire burnt him. Ufstadia Dadish Nuda Itlia Vit Yelid Be Mumah regarding the severed hand, that must belong to the husband. And while he was in there, he, he was uh, trying to get out, and his hand was, was severed. And then he had a moom. He, he had a blemish, he had no hand. And he was too embarrassed to come back into a society where everybody knows him. going to say, oh, look, his hand, uh, he has no hand. And so he ran away to a different part of the world where nobody would know him. And Sarevchia so is saying, it's possible, technically, that this is not the man, and your husband ran away and he escaped. You escaped, so maybe he also did escape, and that was his thinking. That's why he did not believe her in that case. Okay, that's the end of the discussion regarding a wife, but now we're going to uh, talk about a related discussion uh, regarding one witness. We know that in general, one witness... Is believed to say, I saw a man who is dead, so that his wife can remarry. So how about in cases like this? We also know that a wife is believed, in a general case, to say my husband died. But if it's time of war, then we believe the wife less. How about for one witness? Also, if it's a time of war, do we believe one witness less? Ta mad edechad meheman mishum demileta da abida la gluyehu la meshakir ha chana mi la meshakir. On the one hand, maybe we should believe the one witness, even in a time of war. Because the reason why we believe one witness, usually we need two witnesses. The reason why we believe one witness is because this is something that will become known. You know, give it some time and if the husband is alive, probably someone will see him or he'll show up. So no one's going to come to court and lie if it's something that will be revealed, likely be revealed in the, in the end. And here it's just as likely that it will be revealed if he is alive. So the one witness is not going to lie, or dear matama de a Mishumti hi gufa da min seba ke van de zimnin de sannya le la da seba or maybe the reason that one re one witness is is believed to say a husband is dead is because. We're not really relying on the one witness completely. We're adding that to another factor, which is that the wife herself will check it out and and before she gets uh, before she marries again, because she's taking a big risk upon herself if she just goes and gets married. It's not like a monetary case where uh, you just return the money. Uh, so therefore, we're relying really on her also to do her own vesti- investigation to make sure she won't be in a terrible situation where the husband comes back and so in this case really we're relying not only on the one witness but also on her and regarding her we already saw first of all that we don't believe her in the case of a of a, uh, of, um, a wartime because she must she may, she may be making a presumption and furthermore, here, because this is now in brackets, let's check, we'll check this out in a second, sometimes she hates him and she's not going to check, right? When she even hears uh, a rumor, well, uh, substantiated by one witness that says her husband died in war, she's going to be like, oh good, I really didn't like him anyway. And so she'll be less exacting than necessary and she will go and marry again. And therefore, just because one witness and he has no reason to lie, but the wife may have a good reason to believe that one witness. All right. This, sometimes she hates him, uh, is in brackets, is taken out, um, because Rashid did not have it in his version. If we check the manuscripts, we see that it is found in printed in the uh, print, all, all three printed editions. It is also found in two manuscripts, but is missing in two manuscripts. So this is kind of uh, split down the middle, uh whether we should uh include this or not so back to the question uh the question was one witness who says that this man is dead and it's in within a war zone so do we believe him like we would anyway because uh he's not gonna lie he's gonna he's gonna make sure uh because it may be revealed anyway or uh usually we actually rely on the wife investigating in here maybe she will not investigate sufficiently so we should not believe one witness in a time of war. So we're going to see a couple of attempted proofs, uh, attempted uh, responses. Amar Rami Amar Ribi Akiva, Hashanah, where Rabbi Akiva says, One time when I went down to Dea to intercalate the year. This is actually interesting because we don't know much about what was going on in Bavel. During the time of the Tanaim, we know uh, a few Tanaim that uh, came from Bavel, but uh, the city like De'ah we know became very important when Shemuel established the yeshiva there in the first generation of moraim. but here you see to be Akiva because there was a time of um a problematic time in Israel, and he was not at maybe the Bar Kochva times, and he was not able to set the calendar, uh, you know, decide is it going to be an extra month of Adad or not. He wasn't able to do it in Israel. He had to travel to Bavel, which was not under Roman rule, it was under Persian rule, and he couldn't inter- intercalate the calendar there, even though usually he's supposed to do it in Israel. Okay, so that's an interesting story but in and of itself. But anyway, the point is the Masati Ish Ishbet Deli. While he was there, he saw the sage whose name is Nehemiah from Bet Deli, which seems to be a city in Israel, but he, for whatever reason, was also living in Nehardea. And so Rabbi Nehemiah says, I heard that in Israel they do not, most of the sages in Israel do not allow a woman to get married based on uh, one, uh, one witness. If one witness says, I saw this man and he's dead, there's only one. If two witnesses come, for sure, everyone agrees. That's 100% proof. But if only one witness comes and says, I saw the guy is dead, in Israel, most sages do not allow her to get married, except for the Ben Bava. He's the only one. And so he's a minority opinion, though they don't follow him. Confirmed. Yes, that is indeed the case. You heard correctly. Amali marli, a Atem la hememishimi, a tamio dame, Hamadina azomishubeshit begai sot, Kachmikoblani merabangam leal as I can, Shamasin he sha alpi ed ehad. So the bin nechemya tells Rebekiba, Listen, I want you going to go back to Israel now. I want you to go and report in my name. You know. That this, uh, this country is uh, all full of troops. Now we're going to see what the relevance of this is in a second, the, that there's troops all around. Anyway, he says, "I have a tradition from Rabangamliel the elder, that one is permitted to allow a woman to remarry, even based on just one witness who says that he the husband has died. Now. That's the bend of the bright my here's the proof my now what does this line here mean that there are troops all over doesn't that mean that this is a a place of war and even though that the 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 country is all riddled with troops and there's a war zone nevertheless even in a war zone you are allowed to rely on one witness to say uh, 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 the husband is dead. Therefore, this is a proof in the answer to the question. One witness is believed even in a war zone, um, but we reject it. No, it doesn't fit the wording, because he said there are many troops in this country. Why in this country? Is this Persia different from anywhere else? he should have said any place that there are troops any place that there is war we will believe one witness so what does it mean his point in citing the troop was what troops was a personal excuse he says you know that there are troops all around and it's impossible for me to leave my house my family and come to travel to Israel to come to the to the sages themselves the way is dangerous I can't leave my my family uh, uh alone but that that's why I haven't come all this time to Israel otherwise I would make a trip to tell them because this is a really important halacha but so you're going back so you can say it in my name so you say that uh, I told you that I know Bangam Miel said that you can you rely on one witness. So all we know from this uh, is that you can rely on one witness in a general case, not in a time of war. This he was not talking about a time of uh, 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 a case of a time of war. It just happens to be that he wasn't able to travel because of troops, so therefore there is no proof from this case about uh, one witness in a time of war. So, second attempted proof, uh, answer, He had these two sages that were in a boat with Abba, Yose and the boat sank. And uh, so they left two widows, and Rabbi Yudah permitted their wives to remarry based on the testimony of women. There, there, there's no testimony of men there, but there were women that said, oh, we saw the boat sank. Maybe they were at the dock and they saw the boat sink. And so he said, okay, that's good enough and now now this is not a case where they saw they didn't actually see the person dead um uh, rather it's a turbulent time uh you may say and uh, it's uh, there's a presumption that probably if the boat sank they probably died just like if um, if someone's in a war and they don't come back probably they were killed and the status of women, even if there are many women, even if there were a hundred women that saw it, have the same legal status as one witness, unlike two men, which is 100% proof. Everyone, you you could do anything based on two, two male witnesses, but uh, female witnesses is the same as one. So therefore, this case is equivalent to our question. And it says he permitted it. So you see that just like in a time in a a, a boat um drowning a boat sinking and women saw it, we believe them. So, too, one witness in a time of war should also be believed. So, we can answer our question positively. But we reject this. Does that make any sense? Is that possible? This was a case where the water had no end. Now, we might say if a water has no end, then, you know, like middle the ocean, then uh, there's no way they can get anywhere. But what they mean by that is the opposite that because if it's a water that is in water that is enclosed like a small lake and we can see all around and then we see someone drown we see a boat go down and then we'll look around we'll wait there for a while and we see no one comes up from any of the edges because we could see all around then you know for sure that the person drowned it's worse. The case is more problematic, however, when we can only see one edge but we don't see the other edge uh, of the water. Maybe it turns and goes around something and maybe the person survived, swam underwater, or held on to something, and was able to get out of the water somewhere else. So the law is that when there's water it has no end, then the wife is prohibited right? if we don't actually see the body dead, or the, the man's body, and uh, we, so we don't know if he survived or not. So therefore, the woman cannot remarry. So, and that, so that was the case. So it can't be that we're relying on, uh, on, the, on, the, on their testimony just because they saw the boat sank and we didn't see him come up. So that can't be because no we would never uh rely on uh even if there were two witnesses, if, if it was an uh, endless body of water, we wouldn't we wouldn't know. Rather it must be that the woman said that they did found, find bodies. The bodies came and washed up and we saw them immediately when they came out of the water. And we recognized them and said, yeah, yeah, that's the, that, these are the two sages. So you see, in this case, we're not relying on the testimony of the woman that they saw. That the boat drowned, but rather we're relying on the markings that, uh, you know, the color hair, the size, uh, and so on. Uh, so you see that this case is not the same as the, as the question we were asking about. This is not a case of relying on one witness, but rather having distinguishing marks and, and an actual body there. And having actual body there is also not like a presumption of, I guess the person uh, drowned or I guess the person was in the war. So therefore, there is no proof um, from either of these two attempted answers. We don't have an answer. All right, But now that we mentioned the story about, of the two sages drowning, we're going to use it to answer some other questions about identifying objects. By the way, the previous discussion was is extremely important in modern applications. Tragically, in things like um, September 11th, or uh, the Yom Kippur War, or other cases where a person uh, was in a dangerous uh, situation, but. We do not find identifying parts of the body. Uh, So, if you find, you know, a part, a limb. uh, Nowadays, we can do DNA testing and all that. But if in those days you find a limb, but it's not uh, one, a person can live without it. So maybe, maybe the person is still living somewhere else without their hand or without their leg. Um, if you find a head, then you know the person's dead. Um, but uh, this this involves cases of what are uh, what's 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 considered sufficient evidence that the person has really died. If we know that they were there, there was no way that they could get out. Um, you know, is that is that enough? So these are very complex and very important halachot that um, uh, sometimes are unfortunately applicable today. Okay, now, the case that we're going, is relevant to this. A certain man, he deposited sesame seeds with his friend. Can you hold this bag of sesame seeds for me uh, 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 while I'm going away? Then the friend comes back and says, okay, Please return my sesame seeds. The friend says you already, you already re- took it. You, you already collected it, right? Um, okay. But the, the person who brought this, who's demanding the, ceremony, the, the sesame seed, says. Oh, look, but I gave you the certain amount, let's say uh, uh, five pounds of sesame seeds in a bag, in a barrel, and uh, look, you have a, such a barrel, a five-pound barrel of sesame seeds. So that's mine. It's the same one. He's giving an identif- identifying marker. <speaking in Hebrew> and the the uh, custodian says, No, no, no. This, uh, this uh, container, this barrel... Um, the ones that, the, your sesame seeds you already took. I refilled it with my own sesame seeds. So these are not yours. These are different sesame seeds. You already took yours. Okay, so they come, both come to the rabbi to uh, adjudicate the case. One claims, you already took your sesame seeds, these are others. The other one says, those are my sesame seeds, they're the very same ones, the same amount. Uh, so Rav Chistah said, wait a second, I know a case, I know a Brita we just learned um, about two sages who drown and uh, people see the boat go down and then a little bit after they see bodies uh, on the shore, uh, dead bodies. So we don't say, oh, maybe those two sages got away. And these two bodies happen to be uh, someone else's that also who also drowned here at some point in time. We don't say that, but rather we assume that two. Look, we know there were two people on the boat and it drowned, and it sank. So these must be the same people. So too in this case, if a guy deposited five pounds of sesame seeds in a barrel, then it, and they're still there. So we can presume that these are not other sesame seeds that he took and, and, and refilled, but rather these are the very same ones and therefore he ruled in favor of the guy who deposited the sesame seeds that he should be able to now take them back. That's what Rav was thinking. Amar le Rava, mid Rava says, "Hold on, it's not the same." also above, was the one who made distinctions. Right? He's very sharp and says, "Not the same case." simanim, In the case of the boat, they saw the they saw the two uh, men and their bodies, and they were able to give distinguishing marks. I mean, even though even if the the body was disfigured after drowning and also all that, still they could tell something. Right, if uh, if the person had totally different color hair, different height, they would not, you know, you would know that's not them. Uh, whereas here, sesame, all sesame seeds look alike. So what 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 identifying matter can you bring? And now, what you say? Oh, they said, oh, it's five pounds, right? It's a five-gallon uh, tank, uh, barrel. Uh, and they said, This is the same amount. See, so look at the same amount that I gave you. That's not any proof because maybe it's happened to be the same amount, right? If I uh, uh, lend you a half gallon of milk and then I come to collect it and say, Oh, you already gave you, you already took back your half gallon of milk. I look in your fridge, you have a half gallon of milk. Look, it's a half gallon of milk. That's no proof. Everybody has a half gallon of milk. That's a standard size. And so the amount in that case is not a distinguishing, uh, uh, distinguishing marker. Okay. Amounts in other cases could be a distinguishing marker. For example, if someone loses money, a bundle of money, and you're able to identify uh, exactly how much is in there, well, everybody carries around different amounts of money, and so therefore that would be, uh, that could be a distinguishing mark. Even nowadays when I, um, uh, call my bank and they want to uh, verify that it's me. They ask you know how much uh, how much do you have in your um, in the account And so as long as you're close, so that's one way to identify yes, you're in fact uh, the owner of the account. Okay And so now we have a challenge against Rava. Note that this challenge is may, being made by Morkashisha, the son of Rav Rafrista, who said that the cases are similar, is trying to defend his father against Rava. Uh, Rava is the one that said, no, maybe these aren't the same sesame seeds. It's not the same as bodies where it's, uh, you could presume that these are the same bodies. They are the ones that just drowned. You know, there's, there's two other bodies happen to come up. That's very unusual and bodies look different. Uh, but with regarding regarding produce, sesame seeds, it could be that they replaced one with the other. So now that Mordecai is going to challenge Ravah, and he's speaking to Rav Asher now in a, um, a later, two generations later. Okay, Mi Chashinan Shema Pinan Vah Tenan Masa Keli Vekatub Alav Kof Korban Mem Maser Dalet Dimua Bel Tav Teruma Mishnah Maser Shani says, If someone finds a vessel, just found it somewhere but it has a a letter kof on it so you can assume kof is a marker saying that everything inside is designated as a korban as an offering we know in fact that people used to do this because archaeologists actually found a vessel here and you can see it says kof resh bet it says korban on it uh, so that no one else would come and just eat it and they would know that they should bring it to the beta mikdash if you find the vessel and says mem on it, then you can assume that that is Maasid. If it's a dalet on it, then that's dimua, which is a mixture of tirumah and holin. So it can be eaten by a kohen, if it's tahor. Tet means tebel, which means teruma. said it was not yet taken from it. And if there's a Tav on it, then you know it's teruma. Tav, Tachat And uh, why do not they spell out the whole word ter- The whole word teruma. Well, uh, during a time of persecution, it was dangerous to write teruma. Uh, instead, they had to hide it. So they also wrote Tav, uh, not to show that they were keeping Halakha. So Tav just it could mean anything. Okay, so what, anyway, the point here is that we, when, if we find the vessel and we see a tav on it, we assume that it is Tiruma. And we do not assume that someone emptied out the vessel. There was Tiruma on it once, once upon a time. Someone emptied it out and put something else, a chulin, in it. We don't assume that. We assume that it's the same as what it was. And so too in the case above, The sesame seeds that are in the barrel, we can assume, are the same sesame seeds that the um, guy gave, uh, deposited, with the bayli. Okay. Okay. So Ravina, they're, they're both talking to Rav Asher, but Ravina wants to defend Rav and say, oh, don't we worry that in fact they are different? Someone emptied it out and put something else in it? We do worry because look at the next part of the Mishnah, Ema Sefa. He says, even if you find a Chavit, and it says are written on the Kli, um it, you the the contents you can assume are cholin. why shani because it's likely that they were it was full of tedumah yesterday last year and then someone removed it and put in it cholin. so it's more likely that's cholin than 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 not so you see here that, according to the biose at least, we do worry that someone emptied it out. So what is the essence of their Machloket? So rather, you know what, not only the Biyosei, even Tanakama is going to worry that some maybe someone reused the same container with different contents. So what are they arguing about? The Tanakama thinks that if in fact he changed out the contents, that, contents then he would have erased the uh, letter on it. And so, so the fact that there's still letter on it means it is still shabke. The Yosseh says, no, maybe he forgot that he was lazy. He just reused the same container and forgot to remove the taf. Or uh, maybe he left it on purpose uh, because he wanted to uh, save what was inside to preserve the contents. So how would that preserve the contents? From thieves. You see, there were often thieves that would take someone's uh, property. They didn't care about lotignov. But if, you, if it has tiruma, it says if you tell them it's tiruma, then they won't take it because that's a serious prohibition uh, that even these thieves are pious thieves and they would violate lotignov, but they would not violate. Eating holy food, uh, if they were not a kohen, maybe if it was a kohen, he would steal it. Okay, um, uh, so those are always the, these these funny thieves that were scared about some things but not others. And uh, but anyway, the point is that you see here that. Uh, we do worry, according to all opinions, about switching one thing for another. And so now we have um, uh, defended Rava's opinion that it's, it is likely that one thing will be switched out. We end off the top with one last case of an uncertain identity. We have a, we have a story. Yitzchak, Resh Galuta, Bevai, Hava Kazil, MeKorteba, A man named Yitzchak, who was called the Resh Galuta, Exilarch, or literally the head of the exile. And he was the nephew of Rabevay. And he was traveling from Cordoba. This seems to actually be referring to the city in Spain, Cordoba, uh, which was a very ancient city, an important city. And he was going to Spain. Now, Cordoba is in Spain, but this must mean that he was going to uh, some other section of Spain. Uh, Resh Galuta usually refers to the political head of the Jewish community in Bavel. So it could be that this uh, the head of the community in Babel was traveling in Spain for some reason. More likely, he uh, may, this may be referring to the head of the Jewish community in every country. Any country had uh, had a community would have a head, and so he may be this Yitzchak was the head of the community in Spain. Uh, this seems more likely because Yitzchak Resh is not mentioned in the lists of uh, Resh Galuta that we have. Uh, in historical records like from Rav on Okay, in any case, he traveled from Cordoba to Spain. Ushrib, but then he died. So the people in Spain sent a message back to Cordoba. Uh, listen, um, Yitzhak, the head of the community. The nephew of Berabevai. He was traveling from Cordoba to Spain and he died. So you see that this notice gives a lot of identifying markers. It tells you his name. So we presume that it's the same person, right? That's the question. Do we assume that maybe there is more than one person named Yitzhak or there's only one and this is the very same person? Okay, it seems strange to worry that there's more than one person named Yitzhak. The Resh Galuta, who is also the, right, this is a lot of identifying markers, but maybe this is all part of the story. Maybe the messenger himself just came and said, Yitzchak, the nephew of Barabayvai. Maybe he didn't say all the different parts of it, because uh, I, 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 I would assume that there aren't more than one Resh Galuta. Okay, so in any case, he said some name, Yitzchak, uh, son of something, uh, has died. So couldn't we assume that that's the very person that we know or maybe it's someone else? Abay says no, we, we have to be concerned that this may not be the same person and therefore his wife, Will not be able to remarry without further identification. and <inaudible> said, eh, "It's okay. We don't worry about it. We assume that it's the same person as long as and some notice says that this is the person's name. That's okay." Happens to be a couple of months ago, I got a notice from the synagogue, the, from a synagogue, that some person died. I thought it was a different person, and I actually told someone, "Oh, that person died," and they were very sad. But turns out it was not that person; it was someone else with the same name. Okay. Um Amad Abaye, Mina Amina la da Hugita dishta kach benehardea Uti besad kilonia mata Ana andro linae nehardea petarit Utrahet yat pelonit in teti Abaye explained, How do I know what's my source that we have to suspect that there are someone else with the same name? Well, from the following story, there was a certain get that was found in the city of Nehardea. In the get, the language that was written in it was that on the side of the colony of the city, uh, meaning uh, kolonia, literally comes from the same word as colony, on the settled area of this of this city, um, I and from Nehardea, I excuse, sent away, uh, meaning divorced my wife. That's what it says in it. Now, uh, this they, they found this, and uh, the woman wanted to use this as proof. See, I am divorced. That was the name of my husband. And there you go. I have a get. I have a, a proof that I was given this get. But the father of Shemuel, who lived in the Harada and was the sage of the time, uh, there uh, was not sure because there are other people there may be other people named and Rolinai in the city. So he asked a question of his teacher to be udanasi in see Israel to ask what should we do about this? And his answer was you better go to check the entire city to see if there's anyone else by that name and if, this, if it's a unique name, this is the only guy, then yes, you can use it. But if there's someone else by that name, maybe this was given by a different man uh, to his wife. And so when, then uh, you cannot assume it's the same person. So that's why Bayasi says, uh, I know from this precedent that uh, you cannot um, uh, use a name. It could be someone else by the same name. Ravah says, hold on, why did Rabbi Yudan say to check only that city? Maybe you have to check the whole world, I and mean, it could be this he comes from somewhere else. He happened to be in the and so that's why he gave the get in the Or but maybe he moved somewhere else, so he came from somewhere else, and check the whole world to see if there's anyone else by that name. Because who knows, maybe this maybe it's not the same person. So you see, it's that would be absurd. So therefore you see that Abu Dhanasi really was not concerned about someone else by the same name. If this is uh this is a get, we find that she has it, okay, good. We can assume that it's the same person. Um so why did Shemuel say to check? Uh anyone else in the city? That was out of respect for Shemuel. If he wrote back, oh no, you don't have to check. Basically, I'll be saying to, to the father of Shemuel, that was a stupid question. No, you don't have to. So to give him honor, I say, okay, you know what? Yeah, it's a good idea to check the rest of the city. If it really needed checking, then you'd have to check the entire world, and so Rava says your story itself is not a proof, and therefore I think we can assume that it is in fact the same person, and you don't have to check if with anybody else in the world with the very same name. And on the next, tomorrow's daf, we'll see further about the machloket between Abaye and Rava, and yet other cases. Baruch Adonai olam, Amen ve Amen.